Hello and welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les. What about finals week two? A very eventful week. Obviously, uh, this one's coming out a little bit later than usual. Obviously, usually get it out during the morning. But thought I'd take the morning just to sit back and re-watch the games. Because uh, it just feels like it's an age ago. Even though it was only a day gap that I'd left between, obviously, when the last game ended on Saturday and, obviously, this morning on Monday. Um, but I wanted to go back and rewatch it. It just felt like it was an age ago. Just get familiar with, you know, how each game went, how each game ended, and then give a more, you know, in-depth review since there's only two games. Also doing this in the one podcast as well. There's only two games. I mean, rather than just posting two, like, five to six-minute episodes, I thought I'd get it all in the one episode. Uh, we'll start off with the Melbourne Storm v. the Sydney Roosters, obviously. Um, fuck, the Roosters nearly won that game. And they probably deserved to win that game as well. They were very, very strong. Um, you know, their defense was really solid. They were containing Melbourne really well. It was uh, quite hard for Cameron Munster to get his side on the front foot. Tyron Wishart, uh, in saying that, you know, in when in the glimpses where Melbourne were good, I thought that he was outstanding. I thought that he did a really good job coming in in the seven. Thought his kicking game when he had the ball in his hands was great as well. Uh, just his passing game. The past two times that he's come in at seven, he's been really, really good. And I'm hearing that he's been playing really good in reserve grade as well in number nine, in the number nine jersey. But I thought he was really solid in that game and he did a lot of good things with the football in his hands. Um, I really liked Cameron Munster towards the back end of the game when Melbourne uh, knew that they really needed to win it as well. Obviously, the, the Roosters had kicked the field goal. Um, and they and Melbourne just, I guess, turned up another gear and, and got the win there with a the last-minute try. Yeah, look, I mean, it's really devastating for the Roosters. I mean, I thought that they thought they won that game. I feel like the defense died off a little bit after the field goal, uh, and they sort of just, I wouldn't say gave up, but they just thought they had won it. They thought they had it in the bag. They thought that it was just going to be a bit of last-minute defense. They sort of eased up a little bit. Melbourne turned up the gear, and that was the end of the game. Melbourne getting the last-minute try uh, to get into the grand final qualifier. But if you're judging that whole game, I think that Roosters, you have to say, were the better side for a longer period of that game. They were really, really strong defensively, attackingly, you know, switched on. James Tedesco, I thought had one of the better games he's had all season as well. Uh, it was a really strong game for all the Roosters, a very, very strong game. And uh, you've got to be proud. If you're a Roosters fan out there, you've got to be proud with how that season ended, to be honest, because it was a very strong game and they put in 100% for most of that game as well. Uh, the forwards, whether it be Terrell May getting through a mountain of work, 57-minute stint for him. I think that's the longest he's played all year. Uh, coming off the bench, 45 tackles, 129 run meters in this game, seven tackle busts. I mean, he was electric. And that's, again, one of the better games that he's had. And he's sort of been improving slowly week in, week out. I think he's going to be a real weapon for them, especially when they get Spencer Lenu into this side as well. Uh, Terrell May and Spencer Lenu coming off the bench will be fucking insane. You've got Jared and Lindsay Collins starting as well. I mean, that is a pretty gnarly forward pack that could do some real damage going into next year as well. A really, really strong forward pack going into next year. Uh, but Terrell May, I mean, fuck, he's really making a case for him to be on that bench next year. Really solid performance from him. I thought that Lindsay Collins was great, setting the tone as well in the middle. Um, you know, 
he's been so good over the past few weeks, and he's had a really good year, Lindsay Collins. Uh, I thought his defence, when he, whenever he came in to make a tackle, it was strong. Him and Victor Rudley were coming in and smashing blokes, uh, really setting the tone there through the middle and making it uh, how it was, which for the most part was a very dominant Roosters game and where Melbourne were just struggling to get on the front foot for most of that game because the Roosters' defence was so strong. Uh, the two sides actually shared 50% possession in the first half with the Storm completing 19 of 23 sets and the Roosters completing 19 of 21. So you can see how high the completion, completion rates were um, for this game. There were only one or two stoppages in the first half. Uh, the, both of these sides were very, very switched on. It was a very tough game. It was a very enjoyable game to watch as well. Uh, Tyrone Wishart's opening try for the Storm was just the second of his career. Uh, the Melbourne Utility did a fine job filling in at halfback, as we said as well. Uh, 87 run metres, 18 tackles to go with a four-pointer as well, obviously scoring that try in the opening stages of the game. And as I said, every time he got the ball in his hands, he was looking silky. Uh, I thought that he really complimented uh, Cam Munster as well. And when you look at both of these halves, you don't really think, fuck, that's a good halves pairing. But he really came in and did a really nice job and played a very similar game to Jerome in some aspects as well, Tyron. We shot. I thought he played very, very well. Uh, the Storm had won eight of their past nine games against the Roosters, so a bit of a stat going into this game. Uh, the Storm have won eight of their past ten finals games at Amy Park as well, and the Storm will reach a preliminary final for the eighth time in their past nine seasons. Crazy stuff, and that's obviously, uh, you know, discounting last year when they obviously got knocked out in the first week of the finals. They're coming in. They're going to be playing a preliminary final against the Penrith Panthers. That is going to be a massive, massive game, and it's going to be a very good and tight game as well, just like this one was for me. Uh, look, as I said, to, to sort of sum this game up, it was very strong from the forwards. I thought that Collins, Terrell May did a very good job coming off the bench as well, Terrell May. Uh, James Tedesco, he really played a strong game, kept the Roosters in this one. I thought that it was very, very solid. Luke Keary playing a decent game as well in the, in the number six. The Roosters were just on song. They were really on song. And even though the completion rates, especially in the first half, were quite high and the possession was somewhat equal, um, you know, we saw Roosters pretty much dominating uh, over Melbourne a little bit in the attack. And the, the Melbourne Storm couldn't really find too many answers in attack. It, it felt like, uh, especially at the beginning of the second half, Roosters were very, very switched on. Uh, you know, credit to the Roosters. Very strong game and a very good way to win the year. Melbourne, um, you know, going to a preliminary final. I am a little bit concerned, especially with the, with the, you know, most of the footy that they were playing in this game against the Roosters in the past few weeks for Melbourne. I feel like they could get flogged if they're without Jerome Hughes next week, especially. Uh, it could be a very interesting game that could go a very, uh, you know, it could be a very one-sided game. It could be a very Penrith-sided game if Melbourne don't step it up from here. I don't know if Melbourne can take it up to another gear. And I think they're going to get dominated by the Penrith forward pack as well. I don't think they're going to be able to last against this Penrith forward pack. Uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see how Melbourne go next week, but they are going to a preliminary, preliminary final uh, for the eighth time in the past nine seasons. It just shows you how dominant Melbourne have been over the past 10 years. We go on to the next game, which was the Warriors v. the Newcastle Knights, and it, it was... So different to how we saw it. I actually thought that the Knights were going to win this one. I thought that Kalen Ponga was just going to absolutely destroy this sorry, destroy this side in attack. And a lot of people were saying, 
you know, going into this game that Callum Ponga was the only part of their offense. Tyson Gamble's been fantastic all year. Phoenix Crossland is in in talks to be the New Zealand hooker for the World Cup as well. You know, they've got stars across the park here. Yes, it's not the most star-studded lineup you've ever seen. It doesn't have all the names, but it has guys that do a terrific job. Callum Ponga, Tyson Gamble, Jackson Hastings was so unlucky to be out, but I thought that Adam Clune has been great when he's come in in the past. You know, Phoenix Crossland is, has been outstanding this year and, again, in talks to be in the World Cup, which is absolutely insane. Talk about Smokies. I don't think anyone would have picked him to be in the World Cup just quietly. I don't know if many people would have picked him to play first grade with, obviously, Jaden Braley being out for the rest of the year. Obviously, Phoenix had to come in, but, you know, no one really would have picked uh, Phoenix Crossland to be in talks for the World Cup. And, you know, he ha- is as good as people are saying that he is at the moment. He's been outstanding, playing some great football. Uh, the Warriors just absolutely dominated for a lot of this game. And that's off the back of their forwards as well. Murata Niakorde, uh, you know, Adam Fanua Blake. I thought the forward that stood out for me, and it's crazy to think that, you know, Adam Fanua Blake isn't the forward standing out the most. It was actually Mitch Barnett. I thought that he was fucking outstanding, Mitch Barnett. Really, really solid through the middle. Had a few big moments moments in this game as well. I thought that he was terrific in this game. Absolutely terrific. Uh, the Warriors back rower, obviously, Marada Niakorde was helped off the field with a knee injury in the 20th minute, but he actually was able to return in the second half and it looked like nothing had happened. So uh, definitely one to watch for, but I think that he's all good. It might've just been a little bit of a cork or a bump uh, and he might've been overplaying it a little bit, but a very interesting one going into next week. Um, crazy to think that the Warriors are in a grand final qualifier. You know, I can't believe I didn't mention that when I first started talking about this game, but a crazy to think that the Warriors are in a grand final qualifier here. First time in a while. First time they're in final since 2008, I think it is. So, um, crazy stuff for the Warriors from going from the back, you know, the back side of the ladder being in that 14th, 15th sort of echelon to being in a grand final qualifier, absolutely insane stuff. Congratulations to the Warriors. They've had a massive, massive year. Uh, and Sean Johnson has been a big part of that. And he was a big part of them winning this game as well. Definitely the halfback of the week for me. Really solid stuff. Really silky ball playing as always. Um, you know, he was a really big part of this win. And his kicking game as well was outstanding. I think the big part of why the Warriors won this game, and I sort of mentioned it before, was their defense, particularly on Callum Ponga. I mean, Callum Ponga in defense himself was fucking outstanding, but in attack, he just looked lost. He really did. It, there wasn't really much he could do in this game to get his side on the front foot. Uh, and you can see that 40 to 10 here, the final scoreline. It is crazy to think that that's the way this game went. Uh, Tyson Frizzell obviously was put on report in the 38th minute for a high tackle on Marcelo Montoya. Uh, obviously, that will go into next season if he does get done by the judiciary, and we'll sort of find out today about that one. But I don't think that anything is going to happen to Tyson Frizzell. I think they're just going to leave it, or you know, if they're reasonable, I think they'll just leave it. Uh, the Warriors had 19 tackle busts in the first half. That is crazy stuff there for the Warriors. Absolutely crazy stuff. Uh, that was compared to eight by the Knights in the first half. So you can tell how much the Warriors shut down the Newcastle Knights, particularly in the first half, but throughout this entire game, just completely shut them down. Uh, you know, we talk about Mammoth performances. We've talked about Mitch Barnett, Sean Johnson in this game. 
Chance of a good clock start. A mammoth 309 metres and eight tackle busts in this game. Uh, he was a big part of this win as well. It's probably the best game I've seen him play all year. A very strong performance from Chance. And Nickel Clockstar, definitely the fullback of the year. Uh, obviously, Kurt Mann left the field in the 48th minute for a HIA, which he failed. So unlucky there for Kurt Mann. But obviously, they won't be playing any more games this season, so it doesn't matter too much for them. Uh, Torhu Harris was a huge part of this win for the Warriors. 216 metres, 39 tackles. I mean, he's been a big part of every time they've won a game, Torhu Harris. Every time he's in this side, he just adds another layer to this forward pack. He's unreal. Uh, really tough runner over the football. Defensively great. Really slick ball playing as well in the middle. 39 tackles, 216 metres. Awesome stuff there from Torhu Harris. He's going to be immense uh, if they do end up getting a win over the Broncos next week. And we'll talk about that in a second because there is a possibility. The fact that they shut down Kalen Ponga so well, if they do the same thing to Reese Walsh, the Broncos are in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. Uh, the Warriors have won their past five games at Go Media Stadium as well, so they had a pretty decent record going into this game. I'm pretty sure they had a bit of a record going up against the Knights as well. I'll see if I can find it for you a little bit later on. Uh, the Knights finished 14th last season and the Warriors 15th. The fact that they're both uh, you know, we're in, in contention for a grand final qualifier is absolutely insane, so you've got to credit uh, the Knights and how their season has gone. Uh, Dallin Matoni-Zelezniak has scored nine tries in his past seven games at Go Media. Obviously scored a try. Six tackle busts for him as well on the weekend. I thought was outstanding from Dallin Matoni-Zelezniak. Doesn't score his two or three tries as per usual, but he still looks just as dangerous. He was great in this game for the Warriors. Uh, Marcelo Montoya, in the same respect, was unreal. They both combined for 34 runs for 312 metres. Now, um, it was actually confirmed that, you know, Chancellor Clockstad had had that many runs himself. He had about he, he had about thirty runs himself in this game, which was crazy. Uh, for Chance Nickel Clockstart, only running for 300 metres himself in this game. Chance Nickel Clockstart, uh, terrific work rate from him, and as I said, immense in this game. Uh, Jacob Sarfidi had 156 metres in this game. He was the only Knights forward to run more than 100 metres. Um, but yeah, look, I mean. And that just goes to show how dominant, again, this night, uh, this Warriors defense was very aggressive. Um, you know, I don't know if Blake was coming out of the line and absolutely smashing blokes as well. So is Mitch Barnett. You know, they ran the ball with so much intent as well. They really wanted this game. You've got to give credit to Andrew Webster as well for how he's coached this side. It was absolutely terrific the way they played on the weekend. 40 to 10 as well. You know, when you think about how well the Knights have done all year, 40 to 10 is fucking huge. Now, I've got to give credit to one Knights guy that I thought was quite good as well and just ran the ball with so much intent himself. And that is Dylan Lucas. I thought that Dylan Lucas was absolutely outstanding in this game. Really strong game from him. Other than that, it was pretty much all the Warriors for me. They had a really strong game. They came out, they came out with so much intent uh, and they got a big win going into next week. Now, taking a look at the games going into next week as well, our grand final qualifiers going into next week. It's the Panthers who are fresh off a bye and the Melbourne Storm. And then we've got the Broncos taking on the Warriors. The Panthers v. the Melbourne Storm. I think it's going to be a very, very tough game. I still think, though, that the way that the Melbourne Storm have played over the past few weeks, and we sort of talked about this before, the way that the Melbourne Storm have played over the past few weeks, I find it difficult to believe that this game is going to be one point 
sort of margin. I have a feeling that Panthers can make this a very one-sided game if they want to, or even come out late and just absolutely blitz the Melbourne Storm. Uh, we saw it with the Roosters in the second half. We know how infamous Penrith are with coming out in second halves and absolutely destroying uh, you know, the opposition teams. We could see a very similar game um, to that going into this one as well because I just think the Melbourne Storm forward pack won't be able to handle the Penrith Panthers forward pack. I think it's going to be uh, a big factor as to who wins or loses this game. If the Melbourne Storm come out with a lot of defensive intent, you know, Tarek Sims comes out off the bench and kills it like he has been over the past few weeks, I think that it's going to be a lot closer than what, you know, I think it currently could be right now. But if the Melbourne Storm don't come out straight away and match the intent that the Panthers forwards do have. It could be a very similar game to how that grand final last year went with the Parramatta Reels taking on the Panthers as well, where Panthers just absolutely blew them off the park. Melbourne Storm need to come out really strong. They need to pray that Jerome Hughes is back going into next week as well, or this week, I should say, uh, because that's going to be another big factor as to who wins or loses this game. As for the Broncos v. the Warriors, and we sort of mentioned it before, you know, the Warriors, the defense they had and the way they shut down Kalen Ponga, if they do the same thing to Reese Walsh, it's going to be a lot harder for the Broncos to win. Uh, in saying that, I think the forward battle is going to be fucking awesome. We got Adam Fanor Blake going up against Payne Haas, and we obviously got the big, the strong, the Mitch Barnett that played a fucking massive game on the weekend going up against Tommy Flegler, who could potentially be playing one of his last games in a Broncos jersey. That is going to be a fucking awesome matchup here. I honestly cannot wait to see how this game goes. The Broncos will be the Warriors. It could go either way. It really could. $3.90 for the Warriors, and that's the current value without the team list being out yet. I think is insane value. So we'll have to wait and see what the lineups are, if there's any ins and outs. But these are going to be some very, very tight and very, very big games going into your preliminary finals. One. Later.